good to see you out this evening and glad uh, that you returned for those who are here this morning because it always makes me nervous and I think most of us Sunday night speakers from time to time when our name gets put up there think there's going to be a portion of people that will probably find another service to attend someplace else but thank you for coming back I appreciate uh, the prayer on my behalf brother Luke and uh, I hope that there's something that I'll be able to present this evening that'll be beneficial to us all uh, if it seems like I'm glowing up here uh, I might be glowing just a little bit because we have a next generation of some very sharp-dressed men in the audience this evening that got the sweater vest memo. So for those of you who didn't, uh, it's actually after the first full moon in November. It's the second Sunday where you bring out the sweater vest. So I expect to see some more of those uh, as we go forth. You know, I'm not the fashion police or anything like that, but I was talking to uh, uh, David Lane and uh, Paul this, this morning, and they had a vest on, but I said it would be a lot better. It wasn't exactly a sweater vest, but it, I said if you add a little argyle to it, it would probably be better. So hopefully we'll see what they can come up with after that. And uh, for those of you who can't find the sweater vest, sweatervest.com would probably be a good place to start. And I'm thinking about putting some of mine on eBay since the demand's going to be pretty high. In all seriousness... Uh, this evening. It's, it's good to be here. Uh, there's a lot of things that, you know, we can learn from what I'm going to talk about this evening, and uh, believe it or not, my main subject's not necessarily going to be David and Goliath, but as we look at the story in 1 Samuel, I'm going to have a couple of challenges for you as an audience to go back and read the entire story and make sure that I didn't uh, misquote anything or say anything, but this verse in particular, this chapter, 1 Samuel 17, to go back and refresh yourself after the lesson and maybe find some points that I don't uh, bring out to you this evening. But as we kind of catch up to the story in 1 Samuel 17, we have the shepherd boy David, long before, or not too long, but before he became King David as we know him and became the ruler, he was actually a shepherd boy that was tending his father's sheep. He was the son of Jesse, and uh, at this particular time, the Philistines were challenging the armies of Israel. And we had, as in my mind, the way I picture, kind of two battle fronts, battle scenes, and each day, this Philistine would come forward, his name, of course, being Goliath, and would kind of uh, taunt them and spark them and say, just send one person out to me and I'll fight that one person. If you have somebody, choose your champion and, and, and send them out to me. Well, Jesse, David's father, had three sons uh, that were actually kind of at that front, as I call it, uh, the front that were in the tents, and, uh, and he was curious. He was too old to go himself, so he sent David, and David kind of volunteered to go check on and give a report of Jesse's other three sons, David's older brothers, at the front. And uh, he went there and took some sandwiches as his father took some, took some meal to them, so some sustenance for them, and uh, went there and kind of heard this Philistine come out and make this taunt. And, and he was upset about it and said, is there not anything that you guys are going to do about that? And they said, he's a giant, you know, what are we supposed to do about that? And of course, older brothers, as older brothers are, I'm an older brother, so sometimes we're like, you know, you just need to find your place, go back and tend your sheep, David, and and stay out of the affairs that are going on here. But it really riled David up, so much to the fact that he went to King Saul and says, I'll face your giant, I have no fear. I will go out against him, and I will, and I will face him. 
Well, King Saul, of course, didn't want to entertain this idea to begin with. And uh, after they got to talking, he decided to go ahead and let him. And he gave David all of this armor to put on to go out and face this giant. And when David got all this armor on, he's like, I haven't tested this. I can't wear it. It was too heavy for him. And all of, uh, all of the things that he needed to do, he wouldn't be able to do because he had never used the armor that King Saul wanted him to have if he was going to go out and face this giant. And that catches us up to verse 49. And uh, when he went out to face him, he took, out, he took off all of those, uh, all those uh, items that King Saul had put on him. And in verse 49, it says, David put his hand in a bag and took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. So we understand that David was very proficient, obviously, at a sling and the stones that he had. And he prevailed over this giant with the armor that he had tested or the weapons that he had tested in that sling and that stone that he had. And I said a lot of lessons that we can learn this, from this specifically, but if you go back to verse 40, as after he took off the armor that Saul had put him, he says, and he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had and his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine prior to verse 49 and 50 that we just read before. Now, if you recall the story in the verses that we just read, it only took one stone to kill Goliath, did it not? He reached into his bag, got his stone. So why did David take five stones? Why do the scriptures record for us today that he took five stones? And I want to make the application this evening that in our spiritual lives, in our worldly lives as we try to live spiritually, that we are preparing ourselves for the battles that we may have, even though one stone may do the trick on what we have in our lives. Title of the lesson is Five Stones. Now, these stones may look different for each of you, depending on what your backgrounds are, depending on what things uh, trip you up in your life, the things that get in your way. Uh, and we're not going to talk about all these in a specific outline form, but as we think about how we go out in our lives and how we are going to face the trials and temptations that come our way, I want you to kind of have a mental image of thinking about how many stones. Now, it may take more than five stones for me in my arsenal that I need when I go out into the world. It may, but obviously David, when he went to face the giant that he had, chose five different stones. And as we go through this, make the application to you. I'll have a couple of scenarios that I'm going to run you through, but I want you to each kind of think about how you are going to equip yourself as a saint, talking to those who have been baptized into Christ and added to the kingdom. I want you to kind of think about those obstacles that come to you in your life from time to time. When we talk about the giant that he faced, we think about facing the giants. The giants that we have, and I've got representations, hopefully it's not too graphic for the young kids in the audience today, but uh, I have a few up there. And actually the Bible mentions several of these. I've got a picture of Goliath. These are men's rendant, uh, 
uh, renderings, uh, pictures of uh, behemoths and leviathan, the dragons, fire-breathing dragons, and other things that we'll read a little bit about tonight. But, you know, we think about these in our mind, and we think about how scary they were if, for real, we were out on the ocean and we saw the leviathan, or if we were on land and we saw the behemoth, or we saw a dragon that was breathing down, or, in David's case, if we had a giant that was going to come out and threaten our lives. How do we have victory in our spiritual lives to make sure that we are equipped against the giants that we face? What are your giants? What are the giants that you face in your life? When we look at a lot of these up here, I think some of them obviously not all-inclusive as far as things that can distract us, things that can pull us away from our spiritual life, things that can become stumbling blocks for us. But when we think about power and money and fame and uh, what toys are we going to get for Christmas kids and, and uh, you know, the Internet that can be such a, a detriment if used in the wrong way, uh, the cell phones that it seems like the next generation and parents that are raising kids now in the cell phone generation have to fight different battles than, than what uh, Lanisa and I did growing up. But there's a lot of things that can draw us away. Uh, I put up there a, a 64 Mustang Fastback. That's one of the things that's not like I covet after it and, and, uh, or anything like that, but at the same time, that's one of those things that's like, wow, that, that would be really nice to have. It'd be really nice to own. You may have a different car, and uh, you've got the cars thing up there for some of the kids. You've got being bullied maybe up in that top that maybe some of you kids go through some of that in, in your life, maybe not from a Christian standpoint, but just from older boys or older girls wanting to uh, pick on you because of your size or perhaps the way the fact that you go to church three times a week or whatever the case may be. But there are a lot of different giants as we understand in our life and there's so many things that we can self-inflict in our life and most of the issues I will tell you that I have when I'm facing my giants or my big, biggest obstacles is getting myself out of the way, getting my emotions sometimes out of my way. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, first of all, we think about that cloud of witnesses, and I don't know how you do this from time to time, and I'm not at all uh, saying by saying this think that I believe in ghosts, but you think about from time to time those loved ones that we have have seen go in the past and we've heard lessons uh, about Jesus and God being able to see everything that we do and knows every secret that we have but think about that cloud of witnesses maybe in a different way and I've I've tried to do this a lot too and the fact that what if those individuals that we cared for a lot that are no longer with us on this earth are watching what we're doing right now would they be proud would they be disappointed and in those temptations that come to us from time to time, are we able to use that to our advantage to be able to find that way of escape that we'll talk about? But that race that is set before us, we have to equip ourselves for that race. And whether that's five stones, whether that's more for you, maybe that's less for you, but we need to be ready for those things, as this verse says, that so easily ensnares us. Sometimes it can be simple things in my life. I don't know about you, but this is 
I'm calling it the Friday night fright. And this happened this particular last, uh, this past Friday night. And that's a picture of our dryer. And I, for the life of me, don't understand why little things like this get to me, but they do. And it's one of my obstacles in this life. But you think, well, getting upset about a heating element, uh, which actually that heating element went out in our dryer. Um, this is Friday night, and I was ready to basically kind of wind down for the day, take a shower, get ready, and um, not to get too personal, but I needed some clean items that wouldn't be dry at the time, and that kind of got me, and it wasn't my sweater vest, by the way, kind of a side note there. But, um, and I really got into, Lenise can probably vouch for the fact, I got into kind of a mood. And I'm sure none of us ever have those moods where, I mean, I, nothing was right, nothing was going to go right the rest of the night. And quite honestly, because I was preparing this lesson, I thought, this is one of those things that's ensnaring me right now. This is one of those things that is, it's not sinful for me to be upset about the heating element going out in my dryer, but... This is leading me to something that I feel like I may have sinned against my wife by shutting her out, being upset with her, snapping at her. Uh, there's different things that I can tell you when we have those moods. Uh, maybe I'm the only one that get them, but when we have those moods, sometimes nobody wants to be around us. And I guarantee you my wife that particular night didn't want to be around me because of the way I was acting. So I kind of step back, say a prayer, Yes, say a prayer about granting me the, the, the wisdom to basically get through this and not cause this to be a sinful situation. And it, it helped kind of calm me down and say this really isn't worth all the trouble that I'm making. And really, it's just a dryer. And we think about these things in our lives, these modern conveniences that we have that sometimes cause us such inconvenience because we get used to them. And then when we don't have them, it becomes a problem. Well, the first century church didn't have to deal with the dryer. They probably just hung things outside. And quite honestly, uh, I, I worry sometimes about the hygiene they might have had in the Old Testament. <laughs> but then we look at, after that, I, I took it apart. I kind of just said, okay, let's just attack this problem head on. Took it apart while Lenise was going online to see if we could order a heating element. And lo and behold, I lay it down and I get all this and uh, believe it or not, if you guys ever want something fun to do uh, on a Friday night or any other night, take your, take your dryer apart and see what kind of treasures you can find. And you think, you probably, most of you are thinking socks. No. Look at that pile of money. <laughs> I don't know how it got all down into that corner, and that's not a full five. It's like a torn and a half $5 bill. And that's not enough money to cover the, the amount of the heating element, but nonetheless, there were treasures that were hidden within there that I'm like, this is pretty neat. This is pretty neat. I found some, some uh, bookcase shelf holders that go in and hold some bookcases, all sorts of neat things that, that you can find in your dryer. So if you really get bored, you might try that sometime. <sighs> Bottom line is, got the dryer element in this afternoon, and uh, we, we have clean clothes again. So, um, But those little things that come up in our lives sometimes can cause us to stumble. Because let's think about this for a minute. Um, my wife is probably used to my moods, 
even though she shouldn't have to be. She tolerates my moods, even though she shouldn't have to. But what if somebody had to come to the door or somebody that I should have been letting my light shine? Could I have changed my attitude pretty quickly? I would like to say yes, I probably could have, but not necessarily. So we've got to be careful that those little things that ensnare us in our lives don't throw us off and throw off our grooves, so to speak, spiritually. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, and heresies. And we're going to read the rest of that in just a minute. But I want to talk about just a second for, for one to make sure that in all seriousness that nobody's jealous of my sweater vest because I didn't mean to cause that in any form or fashion there by coveting or something, that my, my sweater vest. But when you think about some of those, some of those things, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, and, and, and it's pretty easy probably for most of us to go down through there and say, well, that's not, that's not something that I have a problem with, kind of going back to what are the giants that you do have. But I look at the outbursts of wrath, and I, I think the selfish ambitions and from time to time, the contentions I probably cause because of maybe uh, my moods. We can say whatever we want to. We can justify a lot of things in the heat of the moment. But I can tell you, each of us need to kind of make sure that we keep a stone handy to be able to knock those giants out as we, as we face them. Don't let them get to us and don't let, them let those things take us into a sinful situation or to where we're not going to let our light shine to those roundabout. Now, I understand... You know, as far as outbursts of wrath, um, you know, maybe we need to reach out to each other from time to time. Maybe I need to reach out and say, I need some help with anger management. And I will tell you, sometimes when I play games with several of you in the audience, I get a lot of therapy on anger management when I get beat and how I should conduct myself in, in a pro positive manner even when I get beat at some games that I play. But it's one of those things that from time to time, We've got to be able to handle that. And I have other people in the audience that when my uh, OU Sooners lose again yesterday, that will come up and poke, poke the bear just a little bit. And uh, thank you for that, Tyler. But um, there are several people that will kind of mention that to me. Carol has, has done that too. And yes, they, uh, Texas did shut out OU this year, which hurt really badly. But those are just things of this world. But sometimes they get us, and sometimes they will snare us, and they will grab us, and they will trip us up and cause us to not have those things that we need. Look at this list and seriously consider what you need to work on, how you need to approach that, who you need to enlist to be able to help you with that. And when the heat of the moment comes to be able to kind of pull back from those emotions that kind of come our, come our way. And I will tell you, if just selfish ambitions, if I could attack that one, with the biggest stone that I could possibly put in my sling, that one right there would save me a lot of heartache and probably uh, Lenise too, <laughs> as far as that goes. Um, let's continue on in the rest of this. Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We need to do have in our arsenal at all time enough stones in our bag to be able to take care of situations that come our way. Most of you, a lot of you have, have been to our house, and, but uh, most of you, I think, know that we enjoy going to estate sales and garage sales and, and things like that. And, and, and most of you probably have heard before that if you're ever going to go shop 
uh, at Walmart, specifically Walmart, but if you're going to shop for groceries, to not go shop for groceries when you're hungry. Why is that? Because you're going to pick out things that really sound good. You're hungry, and it's like those Oreo cookies look good. Uh, this candy looks good. All those things, and you're going to fill your basket maybe with all these things. Why is that? Because we're enticed by some of those things that come our way. I will not for the life of me, and I, I really have a confession to make that Lenice really has a problem with this. Going to garage sales and seeing something that we absolutely don't need, and she picks it up and buys it, and I'm like, what are you doing? And then I hand her the money. <laughs> Those things entice us. It's something that says sometimes we don't need it. We don't even sometimes want something, but it's too good to pass up. Do we think sometimes in our life there may be some times where, not necessarily at a garage sale or at Walmart because we're buying Oreos, but that the devil's throwing something out in front of us that might grab us and might take us away and put us into one of these categories. So as we think about specifically in Amos chapter 5 and verse 19, before we read that, I mean, have you guys ever had a bad day? I mean, have you really ever had a bad day? where nothing goes right, it just seems like we need to go to bed, and the saying is go to bed and get up and start over again. I've had those days from time to time, but you think about this. Amos chapter 5 and verse 19, as if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him, or he went into his house and leaned his hand on the wall and a serpent bit him. Have we ever had days like that? I have. Now, sometimes we can create some of those issues, as I talked about before, but not trying to take this verse out of context, but we think about those stones that we should have in our arsenal to make sure that we can take care of those. In this particular case, you know, they had the lion that we needed to kill. We had the bear that met him right after he got rid of the, the lion, and then he went into the house, and he thought he was all good, and he leaned up, and a snake bit him. And sometimes we feel that way, and we feel hopeless, and we feel helpless, but that's where we have each other to lean on. That's where we have an avenue of prayer to go through and make sure that even now, or even before those situations come up, that we're doing everything spiritually within our arsenal to be able to, to head those things off. In Isaiah chapter 30, verses 1 through 3, it says, Woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord, who take counsel, but not of me, and who devise plans, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, who walk to go down to Egypt and have not asked my advice to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadows of Egypt. Therefore, the strength of Pharaoh shall be your shame, and the trust in the shadow of Egypt shall be your humiliation." And how often do we show rebellion, maybe not openly to say, well, I'm just going to defy the scriptures, but at the same time, when we have the scriptures to be able to help us, or we have a brother and sister that can help, help us through a situation, why are we not using that? Why are we not tapping into that resource that has been given to us? And we have so many resources in this audience that can help you with multitudes of issues that you may be facing, whether it's the giant or whether it's the bear, whether it's the lion or whether, whatever your situation comes to in your life that is an obstacle to you serving God the way you need to and letting your light shine. And it continues on. The burden against the beasts of the south through a land of trouble and anguish from which came the lioness and the lion, the viper and the flying, thing, the flying serpent, they will carry their riches on the back of, their, of young donkeys and their treasures on the humps of camels to a people who shall not profit. We're not going to profit if we have that rebellious attitude. 
we're not going to profit if we don't dig in and say, this is what I need in my spiritual life because this life is so temporary for us. This is what I need to do to make sure I don't get ensnared and that I don't get drug into a situation that I don't want to be in. 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same suffering are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. We're not in this alone. The roaring lion is out there trying to see who he may devour, and we are going to do everything or need to do everything in our power to make sure that we are ready when that lion rears his head, even though we may not be ready for it. Psalms chapter 10 and verse 9, this is what the devil will do for us, to us, whatever you want to say. He lieth and wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lieth down and wait to catch the poor. He doth catch the poor when he draweth them into his net. He croucheth and humbleth, humbleth himself that the poor may fall by his strong ones. Now you look at this den of lions here, and I chose this one specifically for the fact that they look pretty calm, look pretty easy, and you know, in our lives when we're walking and all that, we may not recognize that there's a lion's den right there, and we may come upon this and be maybe right in the middle of it and say, well, these, aren't, these lions aren't threatening me in any form or fashion. I think that's what the writer of this psalm is trying to tell us, that they're trying to lure you in. He's trying to get you to a spot where you're not, where you're not comfortable and you're right in the midst of the, those lions in the den, and then it's too late for you to escape. We've got to be able to head that off. He's going to crouch down. He's going to humble himself. He's going to put himself into positions where he can kind of draw us away, and we need to have that in our arsenal to be able to contend with those things that are coming our way. And a prayer here, break the teeth, O God, in their mouth. Break out the great teeth of the young lions, O Lord. I think it's important for us to understand that this is kind of said to make sure that those harms that were coming to them physically back in the Old Testament that we can use to make sure that that harm doesn't come to us in our spiritual lives as we try to walk and run that race that we are all in. Ephesians chapter 6, and this is where I really want you to go home uh, between this and 1 Samuel 17, uh, kind of reread and, and, and make application uh, probably better than I can for you this evening. But this one familiar to us all. Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 18 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Lays out the arsenal that we should have, the stones, so to speak, that David had in his pouch that he had, that he had tried those weapons. We have all that arsenal at our, at our fingertips, whether it's 
through the phone that we can read the scriptures, whether we uh, have the book that we can open up every day and the resources that we have for each other. And I will tell you one thing that, that's so beneficial about uh, Bible studies outside of the assemblies is the perspectives that you can gain and the viewpoints that you can gain from men and women alike uh, throughout. And, and, and if you're not involved in something like that, I urge you to do that. And I'm sure some of you have your own families that have those studies too, but there are so many things that you can glean uh, from that. And specifically in here, going back, as I said, challenging to, to read this scripture and see if you have all of the armor that you need to withstand the wiles of the devil. I think it's important for us to, to know that. Psalms chapter 58, verse 3, it says, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies. Their poison is like the poison of serpent. They are like the deaf adder that stoppeth in the ear, which will not hearken to the voice of the charmers. Uh, charmers, charming, never so wisely. And the picture of the snake charmers automatically came to my mind, and I'm thinking about sometimes we think we can be that guy who can charm the, what is it, four snakes that are there, and we think we can handle this. We can, I've got this. I don't need, I've got all I need in my arsenal right now. I don't need to add anything else. Well, I think that's sometimes when we need to take, make sure that pride and humbling ourselves kind of, we pull back a little bit and say, no, I need to dig in deep, deeper because I need that second, third, fourth, and fifth stone, as David did, just in case that first one doesn't do what I expect it to do. We need to have a plan B. And I put down the question there, do we tend to have a workaround? We can justify sometimes something that we've done, whether it's the anger or the control or whatever from time to time that makes me stumble. I can justify it and say, well, it was, it was somebody else's fault. Lanise and I like to p p uh, play what we call the blame game sometimes where it's, it's kind of fun uh, sometimes, but it's like, no, this was your fault. This was your fault. This is your fault. And just kind of pointing the finger playfully, but at the same time, do we get really serious about it where it really was my fault? I need to own up to it. And I need to say, I am so sorry. And I don't say that near enough to my wife and hopefully I get into situations where I don't have to say it quite as often. But we can't always charm the snakes. We need to realize that we need to be able to take everything and not put ourselves in front of those snakes to begin with, try to put ourselves where we won't come anywhere close to those. Psalms 141 through 3 says, Deliver me, O Lord, from the evil man. Preserve me from the violent man, which, imag which imagined mischief in their heart continually, and they gathered together for war. They have sharpened their tongues like a serpent's adder. Poison is under their lips. Things that we need to be watchful for. And of course, Matthew 7 and verse 15, Beware of the false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are, they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs or thistles? And so many good things in that chapter that can help us understanding that that wolf is going to disguise himself and try to sneak up on us, try to get us into the lion den, lion's den and try to bring us down from our Christianity, from our spiritual life, to be able to drag us into the depths of hell. And we need to be ready for that as in, in all cases as much as we possibly can. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 1 and 2, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring their damnable heresies and deny, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction, and many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be, spoke, shall be evil spoken of. It's important that we 
are able to discern things. And if I've said something that's out of line up here today, not in line with, with what God's will is, I need to be corrected. And I think we've got an eldership that would be glad to do that if I do say something out of line. But we need to understand, even in our personal lives, that we're not leading anybody astray, that we understand enough about the Scriptures that we can keep them from that, that evil that is in this world. Proverbs 19 and 15, we'll get to that in a second. But think about this as we go through uh, the last part of this lesson. Lions and bears, the giants that come our way, facing the vipers and facing the wolves. And some of you might, might have questioned facing the cat. Um, and I do want to spend just a couple of minutes on that in closing. You know, this one here is, is one that I think gets all of us to some degree in some form or fashion, and, and that's laziness. You know, cats, if you ever watch them, just do, and I'm not, I'm not a cat hater, by the way, um, but cats do whatever cats want to do. And we allow them to do whatever they want to do or don't want to do. Uh, very lazy creatures and will uh, try to do nothing most of the time, the ones that I've encountered in my life. But are we like that? <laughs> Slothful. Now, this one particularly, it's like, okay, for, first of all, I love spaghetti. And he's got a remote in his hand if you can't see that there. But are we sitting back on the couch saying, I don't have anything to do. I'm just going to be lazy. And I tell you what, I've talked about our easy chair before. It can be so easy to just sit back. We can get sniffles on Sunday afternoon and, and say, I just, I got a little bit of a headache and I just don't think I can make it tonight. There's little things like that that can creep up into us that I think the devil uses lazy. Proverbs 19 and 15, slothfulness casts us into a deep sleep and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. And I don't know, maybe that guy will end up eating that stuff, but it's one of those things that we need to make sure that, as I put down below, that we are fighting complacency, the, the, the ability. And I'm not just saying get up and go golfing or go do something. I'm talking about doing something that will actually make a difference in the kingdom. How often do we just get lazy? And I'm talking about even fellowship from time to time where it's just like an evening and we've got a free evening and it's like we could have somebody over and enjoy some fellowship and, and play some games or talk about Bible or something like that. And it's just one of those things that from time to time we just sit back and say, let's just, let's not take the night off, but let's just, you know, let's just keep it simple tonight. You've got to push yourself through some of those times. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 4 says, The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. And we got a lot of farmers in here that understand that if you sit back and just do nothing and decide to take a few days off at key times in your, in your harvest time or planting time or whatever, whatever times you have, that you're not going to have the harvest and you'll have nothing. It's important that we take those opportunities that we have and not sit back and be lazy like a cat is. 1 Timothy 5 and verse 8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he, is denied, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And I believe it's the King, King James Version, worse than an infidel, is what that, that version says. It's important for us to fight that laziness that happens to all of us. And, you know, a lot of us have worked really hard and, and have looked forward to retirement and said we are retired. And I'm not saying the retired uh, are any, in any special category. But from time to time, we've got to make sure that even whatever stage we are in life, that we're picking ourselves up and saying, I can do more. I can do more. And we've got people here this evening that I know for a fact it was not easy to be here tonight. But you're here. You're here. 
1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12 tells us that no temptation has overcome you except for such as common to man, and but God is man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above beyond that which you are able, with a temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be, be able to bear it. That way of escape, I'm going to challenge you tonight, is that way of escape is to make sure that our arsenal is in place, that we have all the stones that we need in our bag, that we're proficient with that sling that we have, we have on the whole armor of God, and that we are using that in our lives, and that we are actually identifying in the moments of weakness and those snares that are kind of trying to trip us up, that we actually grab a hold of those because we have a promise that he's going to find a way we can be delivered from that temptation. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, Philippians 4 and verse 13. Do we believe that? I believe that. Do I always use that? If you're here tonight and need the strength of one another, if you feel like maybe your armor hasn't been as strong as it needs to be and you need help and, and the prayers of the congregation that can certainly be strong to help you with that, or if you're here this evening and haven't been added to that kingdom to understand those things that uh, you will have and the joys that you will have even though those temptations may be strong to you. If you're here this evening and have a need in any, any way, we ask you to come forward and have a seat on the front pew as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.